Yo, yo, yo. Thanks for listening to NeuroHive. I'm going to be really honest and upfront with you about something. We took a really big risk putting this information out for you and creating this content. I need your support to help beat the big tech and media overlords who just want to keep you addicted to complacency. They are making billions of dollars in ripping the United States apart all for the sake of keeping us dumb and numb in the place of our phones. I know a lot of you are business owners and entrepreneurs and self-driven individuals who listen to this. You are what they fear the most. Self-reliant, independent thinkers and individuals who are willing to put in the work that is required of success. To help our cause in creating impactful and transparent content to help American business owners, I need your support for the show. If I taught you something, if we gave you new insight into something that you hadn't thought about before, or even just made you smile a little bit today, please share the show. That's how we're going to grow the hive into the greatest force for good that exists out there in the world today. It doesn't have to be a social media share or story post, but many of you do that and it's greatly appreciated. But what it can be is the next time you're hanging out with your buddies, having a conversation with other business owners, and it comes up of what are you stuffing your brain with? What's the good stuff that you're putting between your ears? I would greatly appreciate a mention of NeuroHive. If we do a good job for you, I really would love that in return. Let's fire up B and hop into today's episode. AB, active the hive. Launching new hive sequence. Welcome, welcome to the Smarter Marketing Revolution, presented by Hidden Force Media, with your host Alex Vonderhaar. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are going to talk about something that drives me batty, which is testing and not testing advertising. Now, it would make sense, right, that if we're going to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, you would want to at least learn something, right? Even if the learning isn't what we want, at least taking the method to learn the process or learn something from what we just spent all this money on has to have an end result to it. And excluding elected public officials, and uh, it's there's really only like three people whose job it is to appeal to the public. Professional entertainers, salespeople, and advertising copywriters. Now, entertainers have a, a definite advantage over copywriters here. Take a, um, take a comedian, okay? And even though comedy has kind of been canceled and we haven't had a good comedy movie in over a decade... Uh, most comedians are able to get up on stage, they tell jokes, and they're constantly monitoring what's going on in the audience. They're real-time analyzing, hey, this joke worked well at this ending, this hook worked well here, and then they're constantly adjusting and tweaking on the fly. They're performing their own scientific test. Now, if they do this, if they do their set and they're testing dozens of times a week, That means they get dozens of chances to test and see the public reaction. They can alter the manner, they can alter the order, and all this gets real-time feedback. Let's look at the salesperson. In the case of a salesperson, maybe a prospect is trying to sell um, and they're sitting a few feet away from them. The salesman can study the prospect's facial expressions, they can carefully listen to what they're saying, they can get a good idea of how well the sales effort is going, not only by the facial expression and the body language, but also was there a negative reaction or were there special conditions or was it an accurate judgment of their selling effort as to whether or not they got the sale? Now consider the case of a copywriter. 
specifically working in advertising. Uh, there's really no built-in method for the response. They write what they believe is to be an excellent advertisement, and in many cases, it's one of a series of different things. And then weeks later, or maybe months later, the advertisement appears, and then they're getting judged on that work, almost with no feedback most of the time on how that's going to go. Now, with social media ads, it's a lot different, and same with social posts. With social posts, we get to actually do this all for free, test out copy, test out image, test out these different combinations of headlines in order to test this out before we go and spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on ads. Maybe this is something new to you. Maybe you never thought about using organic content this way. But I want to challenge you. If your social posts are just, hey, we just sold this house, or hey, you know, we have a new product for sale, and you're not using your organic audience to test out some of these ideas, I think you're falling behind. In fact, I know you're falling behind because it's what we teach all of our clients to do in our very first deep dive meeting. You have to start thinking of your organic as a testing ground for different headlines and different offers and different copy structures. So what does this all have to do with the writer's advantage of copy for advertising? It's the copywriter's job of the to be an entertainer and a salesperson all in one. The copywriters lack close and intimate touch with their audience. This means that for the writers for non-responsive advertising have a really difficult or an easy job depending on their point of view. If they're conscientious workers and want to prepare advertising that will be definitely effective on the side of sales, their job is difficult. They lack the quick reaction or the customer to be able to get that good feedback all in the same channel. But on the other hand, if copywriters are merely interested in uh, preparing some advertising that's getting an okay from their employer or client, their job may be relatively easy. And they can sometimes go on for years writing what may be mediocre copy and you would never know. And it's mostly because we think your ad lacks the selling power is what they'll come back and say to the advertising agency more than what they're going to look at for the copywriter. It's knowing that you have to have this balance between the two in order to get a good result. Now, that's taking more of a scientific approach. But let's look into not or, um, how non-scientific advertising happens and why it's typically a disaster. Now, consider the attitude of a group of advertising people preparing an institutional campaign, right? We're running it through Madison Ave, we're running it through a bunch of corporates and C-level executives, and they're going to put all their vanilla stuff on it. But often this discussion around what should be in there and what shouldn't be in there is all theoretical, and it's based on personal preference rather than on any type of proven research. And it's why neuromarketing stands out so much in our marketplaces because we do bring the science into how we do this. Now, here's a typical example of how all of this happens in a very unscientific advertising campaign has arrived at. So a friend told me that his father was starting a travel agency in Philadelphia. He wanted to know how best he could advertise so that the people of Philadelphia would learn about his travel agency and be persuaded to go there to get the information and the tickets for traveling abroad. Now, I've worked on several travel accounts before, and I was able to make a few suggestions. But what I noticed was that my friend was hardly listening. Typically, he doesn't. He's usually stoned out of his gourd. But he was anxious for me to get through to talking to him so we could tell his big idea for the advertising to do the travel agency. Here's what he said. Do you remember that Christmas card our class got during our freshman year at college? 
It had a beautiful picture of a square, rigid sailing ship on it. And I think we could get a wonderful advertisement built around that illustration. We can make it very artistic, very distinctive, and we might be able to work in the uh, letters uh, Pennsylvania Travel Agency on one of the sails of the ship. My friend spent a long time describing just how he thought the advertisement should look, how the picture of the sailing ship should be printed on the color pages. All of it was very well detailed and thought out. And I realized he didn't want any of my advice at all. All he wanted me to do was agree with him so he could say, yes, an advertising professional and I think this is a wonderful idea. He said he thought that his sailing ship picture would look fine in any magazine, any social media post, any website, and I told him that since practically everyone was flying abroad, they might not connect a vacation with the sailing ship. When's the last time you took a sail ship across the ocean for a vacation? And he ran his advertisement in magazines and on on a national circulation, and the only readers who would do him any good were a tiny fraction of those who lived in the Philadelphia area. And all my objections to this just seemed to annoy him. All the suggestions I made were just, no, this isn't a good idea. Um, You know, this is too big of an idea. It's just, it's not going to be measurable. And this was undoubtedly an extreme case. Now, not all of these go this way in my experience. But this is an example of how clients and employers sometimes force their advertising professionals to prepare poor advertisements, which means that we're losing money. This is when you hear how much wasted ad spend gets thrown out there year after year is simply because we get this idea that it's a pet idea instead of it actually being tested and grounded in something that's based on science and testing and audience segment testing and revisions. Now, there's the nice speed of social media is that we're able to do this at hyper speeds, right? It doesn't have to be national prints in order for us to get what we need to get out of it, which is sales, leads, conversions, phone calls. But if you learn anything from this episode and from my story, I would hope it's this. You should find some way to test your ads so that they're not going to know for sure until we know that it's absolutely effective through testing. And if you're looking for advertising ideas to use in your campaign, don't imitate the fancy art and the fancy language that you will find in the untested ads whose sales results cannot be measured. Instead, I would much rather you lift and borrow from the ads whose sales are measured daily, namely, whether that's mail order ads, direct response ads, um, social ads, anything that we can put a tracking code on, and give special attention to the tested ads that are repeated again and again and again. These are the ads that are all paying for all the sales, for all the conversions. Those are the ads you want to pull ideas from. Those are the ideas that you want to build off of for all your future advertising needs. So go out there, use some testing, take a little bit of what you learned from your high school science class, and see if you can make a difference in your next campaign.